Let's open our Bibles together at this time too. The book of Acts, chapter 16, and verse 1. Acts 16, 1, for our message from the Word of God this morning. Acts 16, 1 will be located on page 1171, if you're using the church Bible, of course. Today's date is December 11th, 2022. Today's text will be in Acts 16, verses 1 through 5. And the title of this morning's message is, Paul Begins to Train Timothy. Paul begins to train Timothy. And we begin with the story of a somewhat out-of-shape man who joined a gym one day. And he said to the personal trainer, I want to impress girls. So, um, which machine should I use? And the trainer said, the uh, ATM machine in the lobby. That's the one you want to use. And then the man said, well, I'm serious. How about I start my training with a little shadow boxing? The trainer said, sure, knock yourself out. <clears throat> well, finally the trainer said, okay, if you're really serious, tell me what kind of squats you're used to doing. And he said, I'm used to doing diddly squat. That's the kind of squat I used to do. Well, <clears throat> speaking of training people, as we begin Acts chapter 16, the Apostle Paul is about to take a young man named Timothy and begin to train him for the ministry. The story begins in verse 1 where it says about Paul, <clears throat> Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed. But his father was a Greek. Now, as I am sure I don't have to tell you, Timothy ends up being an important man in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul wrote two epistles to him. And Timothy helped him write six of his other 11 apostles. And I'm not good at math, but that means that's over half of his other epistles. So he was what we would call a major player in the New Testament. A major player in God's new program of grace that he gave to the Apostle Paul. 
And the first thing we learn about him there in verse 1 is that he was already a disciple when Paul picked him out to train him. And that means he was already saved and Paul didn't have to lead him to the Lord. And I get asked about that sometimes at Brian Bible Society because, well, because of how Paul describes Timothy in 1 Timothy 1-2, where he calls him, Timothy, my own son in the faith. Well, we know that that was Paul's way of saying that he did lead Timothy to the Lord because in Philemon 1.10, Paul talks about a guy called my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. While Paul was in the, the bonds of a Roman prison, he helped a man named Onesimus to be spiritually reborn. And that made Onesimus his, his spiritual son. But how could Paul have fathered Timothy if he was already a disciple? Now some say it's because he believed under the kingdom program and he was a Jewish kingdom saint by the time Paul encountered him. But here you have to remember that this was not Paul's first visit to Lystra and Derby, the area where Timothy lived. Seven years earlier, some unsaved Jews ran Paul out of the town of Iconium and, as it says in Acts 14, 6 and 7, him and Barnabas fled unto Lystra and Derby. And what they do when they got there? There they preach the gospel. And that's when Paul led Timothy to the Lord. And that makes him a member of the body of Christ and not a Jewish kingdom saint, right? But now, we know Paul had a little assistance in helping Timothy to get saved because long before Paul came to town, verse 1 says that Timothy had a mother who was a Jewess who believed. So she was probably the reason that Paul wrote to Timothy in your next reference and told him what he said in 2 Timothy 3.15. From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. In other words... Timothy's mother prepared his heart to believe on Christ by teaching him the scriptures from his childhood. And do you know who prepared his mother's heart to believe? <laughs> well, in 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul told Timothy, 
I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice. So it was Grandma Lois who prepared Timothy's mother's heart to believe so that she could prepare Timothy's heart to believe. So, if you need proof of how important it is for moms to teach kids the Word of God and then bring them here to hear more of the Word of God on Sunday, you're seeing it with Timothy. And now that Timothy is saved, Paul can train him so that he can do what Paul tells him to do in your next reference, in 2 Timothy 2.2, where he told him, the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Paul tells him, I trained you, now you train others so that they can train still others. And folks, thankfully that's been going on for 2,000 years now. And I've been doing it with Josh for what seems like 2,000 years now. Just just saying. <laughs> and, and we're also doing it with Oscar, so uh, pray for him as well. But now, since Lois and Eunice got saved before Paul came to town teaching the grace gospel, that makes them Jewish kingdom saints. And that means they're not going to get raptured with their son Timothy and live eternally in heaven with him. But as you know, you don't have to feel sorry for them because they'll catch up with Timothy in the New Jerusalem after the Millennial Kingdom is over. So they're not going to miss out on any eternal family reunions. But since Grandma Lois raised Eunice in the Jewish faith, she would have taught Eunice what Moses said in Deuteronomy 7, 1-3. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and has cast out many nations before thee, Thou shalt make no covenant with them, neither shalt thou make marriages with them. But we know that Timothy's mother didn't listen to that. Because verse 1 there says that Timothy's father was a Greek or a Gentile. All the Gentiles were Greek after Alexander the Great Greek conquered all the Gentiles. <laughs> now, Pastor Stan tells me uh, in his commentary that mixed marriages like that between Jews and Greeks, they didn't usually happen in Jerusalem because the Jews' faith in the Law of Moses was really strong in Jerusalem. But... In other countries where Jews live, like Turkey here, that's where Lister and Derby are, uh, mixed marriages were pretty common. 
because their faith was not as strong. Now, folks, that should tell you that if you want to be strong in your faith, in Paul's gospel, you need to be around God's people as much as you can. And I don't say that just to fill seats. I say that because it's good for you. Eternally good for you. Now, verse 1 also says that Timothy's mother was a Jewess who believed. But it doesn't say that Timothy's dad was a Greek who believed. So we have to conclude from that that she was married to an unbeliever. And mixed marriages like that can be very difficult. And they usually don't produce a great man of God like Timothy. That's why in verse 1 you see that word behold there. The Bible uses that word when, it, when it's pointing out something that's, that's wondrous and, and, and unexpected. Like a great man of God coming out of what we call an unequally yoked marriage. But if you're watching the video or even if you're here today and you're in a marriage like that, just do what Timothy's mom did and teach your kids the scriptures. Because you never know what God will do with them if you do. Now, since it had been seven years since Paul led Timothy to the Lord... That was enough time for what we read about in verse 2 to happen, where it says that Timothy was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. In other words, by the time Paul returned to this area, Timothy had a good spiritual reputation among the brethren in the churches in not just one city, but two cities. And we know that part of that was Paul's doing. Because after Paul led Timothy to the Lord back in Acts 14, he and Barnabas went back a second time to Lystra and Derby and did what we read in Acts 14, 21 and 22. They returned again to Lystra, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. So part of what made Timothy a well-known man of God in two cities was the confirming that he got from the Apostle Paul himself. So by the time Paul makes this third trip to Turkey, he saw so much in Timothy that he liked. He decided to take him on as an apprentice or sometimes they call it an understudy. Of course, since Paul was always on the road, that meant Paul would, or Timothy, would have to travel with him. And we see that in verse 3 in your Bible where it says of Timothy... Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him, 
because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, first of all, picking a half-Jew like Timothy to travel with him as one of his helpers, that is a type of what's going on in the book of Acts. You see, Paul's first helpers, Silas and Barnabas, were full-blooded Jews, Jewish kingdom saints. Now Paul's picked a half-Jew, half-Gentile, to be his helper. Later he's going to pick a full-blooded Gentile named Titus to be his helper. And that's a picture of how God's servants went from being Jews to Gentiles in the dispensation of grace as it unfolded there in the book of Acts. First, God had Jews serve Him. Then a half-Jew and half-Gentile. And then a full-blooded Gentile. And today, God's servants are found among the Gentiles, not among the Jews. And I think there's even more typology with Timothy because... As you may remember, Timothy wasn't the healthiest of individuals, was he? he? He was on the sickly side. So, what Paul tell him to do in 1 Timothy 5.23? Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine oft infirmities. And wine in the Bible is a type of the Holy Spirit of God. You see that in Acts 2, 4 and 13, where they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, but some people mocked, saying these men are full of new wine. Did you know the reason that liquor stores are sometimes called things like hometown wine and spirits the reason for that is because when you get drunk another spirit takes you over a spirit that is not you and it makes you do things you wouldn't ordinarily do just like the Holy Spirit did for those believers in a good sense so I think Timothy's need for wine was a type of the early church's need for the gifts of the Holy Spirit that enabled them to do things that they couldn't ordinarily do until the Bible was complete. And then the Bible became the thing that enables us to do all the things that God wants us to do, right? But one thing never changed. And that was how Timothy, being a Jew and a Gentile in one body, was a picture of what you read about in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13. By one spirit are we all baptized into one body, the body of Christ, whether we be Jews or Gentiles. The church of today is made up of Jews and Gentiles in one body, the body of Christ. 
just like Timothy was a Jew and a Gentile in one body. And I point that out because that made him the perfect man for Paul to take with him as he went around telling people about the body of Christ. Because he could point to Timothy as a living example of the body of Christ as he went around telling them about it and as he was training Timothy. Now, my first pastor started training me for the ministry when I was 15. And if you're wondering if that's too young to do any serious ministerial training, I think Timothy was even younger. When he got saved seven years earlier, I figure he was about five and started his training here at age 12. And you're thinking, how do you figure that? (laughs) Well, look at what Paul told Timothy. Twelve years after he started training him in 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no man despise thy youth. Twelve years after Paul starts to train Timothy, he's still considered a youth. And the only way I can figure that could happen is if he got saved at age five started his training seven years later at age 12. Because that would make him 12 years later when Paul told him not to let anybody despise his youth, 24. And, you know, that's pressing the envelope to being called a youth, don't you think? (laughs) I mean, if Paul started his training at 18, like people think you should, I guess, Then 12 years later, he'd have been 30. And back in the day when the life expectancy was maybe 45, 50, uh, calling a man of 30 to be a youth, uh, that's a bit of a stretch. And another reason I think Paul started his training at age 12 is because, well, what do we know about the age 12 in Scripture? It's about the age a Jewish father would bar mitzvah his son. And then what happened? His son would become a man. The boy would reach adulthood. He'd become a man who was certainly old enough to leave home and go with an apostle to begin his spiritual apprenticeship, don't you think? In those days, apprenticeships could start at age 12. All right, I tell you all those things for two reasons. First, to tell you that kids can get saved early. They can get saved young. People sometimes scoff when they hear that a child got saved, but they shouldn't. Timothy proves they shouldn't. I can't tell you how many times over the years Thornton has announced during announcements that a visitor got saved in his Sunday school class. So it is never too early to begin giving your your children the gospel. But the example of Timothy also proves that 12 isn't too young to start training for the ministry. 
I know I was serious at age 15, and I, I still got a lot of the homework papers I did for my first pastor to prove it. I don't think it's ever too young to start getting serious about serving the Lord. But now i got a question for you. If Timothy was a member of the body of Christ, why did Paul circumcise him as it says there in verse 3? I mean, we just came out of Acts 15 where Paul convinced the Jerusalem council that men did not have to be circumcised and keep the law to be saved. So, is Paul being a hypocrite here? Later on, he's going to write the epistle to the Galatians and come down like a ton of bricks on the Galatians for even thinking about getting circumcised. In that epistle, he reminded them of something he wrote there in your next reference in Galatians 5 and verse 3. Every man that is circumcised is a debtor to do the whole law. Circumcision was the first thing a man had to do to keep the law of Moses. But if you did it, it obligated you to do everything else in the law, and we are not under the law. So why did Paul circumcise Timothy? Well, you'll notice that verse 3 doesn't say that Paul circumcised him because his mother was a Jew. It says he circumcised him because his father was a Greek. You say, well, what would the difference be? (laughs) Well, if his dad was a Gentile, that meant everybody knew that Timothy was not circumcised. In our scripture reading this morning in Exodus 4, we saw that Gentiles had a a strong aversion to circumcising their sons because even the wife of Moses himself, a Gentile woman, she didn't let Moses circumcise her little boy until God threatened to kill Moses if she didn't. And here, if it was well known that Timothy wasn't circumcised. That meant when Paul went to preach to the Jews in the synagogues, they wouldn't let him pass the front door. Because Jews in those days did not let uncircumcised men in the synagogues. We know it would have got Paul killed if he tried to bring a Gentile into the temple because... (laughs) That's what happened when he was accused of that in your next reference, Acts 21-27. The Jews, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This Paul, this is the man that brought Greeks also into the temple and hath polluted this holy place. For they had seen before with him in the city Trophimus, an Ephesian whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And they went about to kill him. So they didn't let any Gentiles into the temple or the synagogues. So I think Paul circumcised Timothy. Timothy. 
out of respect for the convictions of the Jews so that he could preach to the Jews. Isn't that what James just just told the members of the body of Christ to do in your next reference? Back in Acts 15, 19, he said, My sentence is that we trouble not the Gentiles. We're not going to trouble them to have to keep the law and get circumcised. But that we write unto them that they abstain from blood. For the reason... Because Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Now remember what I told you when we looked at those verses. James did not tell those Gentiles to not eat blood, because the law said not to eat blood. He told them not to eat blood so they wouldn't offend the convictions of the Jews, right? Well, that's what Paul's doing here. It's the kind of thing Paul always did, as he says in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 20 and 23. He says, Unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, I became as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. And he means gaining them their souls for Christ, getting them saved. This I do for the gospel's sake. Paul says, I'll act like a Jew if that'll give me a chance to preach to a Jew and, and gain the soul of a Jew. Folks, you have the liberty to eat blood, but if you're dining with a Jew who you're trying to gain for the Lord, why not order your steak well done instead of rare and then smother it with Heinz 57 like God intended for steak to be, right? Yeah. But now, let me ask you a question. If it was okay to be religiously circumcised on the eighth day, as Hebrew boys were, is it also okay to be baptized? And the reason I ask you that is because I sometimes get asked that question by grace believers who move to an area where there is no grace church. So they find a Baptist church that preaches the gospel, and teaches the Bible. But because they're, they're eager to share the grace message and what they know about it, they will sometimes volunteer to teach when maybe an adult Sunday school class or a teen class opens up, only to be told they can't teach because they're not baptized. So I hear from grace believers now and then who ask me, should we get baptized to gain the Baptists with an understanding of Paul's gospel? And uh, sounds like some of you have opinions about it already. But since Paul circumcised Timothy to gain the Jews, you'd think that I would tell them that it's okay to be baptized again the Baptists. And you're thinking, well, wait a minute, Pastor. You can't tell people to get baptized because 
Baptism was once required for salvation. So to get baptized, you're confusing the truth of the gospel. Because the truth of the gospel is today you don't have to be baptized to be saved. But hey, circumcision was also required for salvation. But Paul circumcised Timothy. So if it's okay to be circumcised, why wouldn't it be okay to be to be baptized? Well, here it helps to remember that circumcision wasn't just for salvation and it didn't just obligate you to keep the rest of the law. Circumcision was also the thing that made you Jewish. You see, it wasn't just part of their religion. It was part of their nationality. So Paul circumcised Timothy to make him acceptable to the Jews as a member of the Hebrew nation, not to make him acceptable to the Jews as a member of the Hebrew religion. But it is not part of anybody's nationality to be Baptist. (laughs) Now if that's not clear to you, Look what happened when Paul brought one of his other helpers to the Jerusalem council in Galatians 2, 3 to 5, where Paul says, Neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ that they might bring us into the bondage of the law, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with with you. Paul refused to let a full-blooded Gentile like Titus be circumcised. Because the Jews were saying he couldn't be saved without it. They were saying he had to join the Jewish religion to be saved. Just like Gentiles always had to do in centuries before that under the law. So letting Titus be circumcised wouldn't be Paul gaining the Jews. It would be Titus joining their religion. But he let Timothy be circumcised to let him join the Jews' nationality to get the Jews to join Paul's religion, so to speak. But today, since you can't get baptized to join the Baptist nationality, since there is no such thing, the only reason to be baptized today is to join their religion. And based on what Paul says about Titus there, he wouldn't give place to that. No, not for an hour, and neither should you. That is, if you want the truth of the gospel to continue. Because as I said, the truth of Paul's gospel is that baptism has no place in God's program for today.
Well, now that Paul has picked Timothy to go forth with him, it was time to go forth with him. <laughs> we see him doing that in verse 4. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. Now, in case you forgot what decree, decrees it's talking about there, it's the ones that James made when he told the Gentiles they didn't have to be troubled to keep the law, but that they should abstain from blood to keep from offending the Jews. If you remember what happened when we studied that chapter, after they made that decision, they wrote letters explaining that position, telling the Gentiles about that decree. And Paul is now delivering that letter wherever he goes. And now he could point to Timothy as a living example of somebody who got circumcised to keep from offending the Jews, just like they were told to do in those decrees. If you haven't learned this by now, it's always a good idea to be a living example of what you teach if you want people to believe it. We know that that will help people believe what you're saying because, well, look at the last verse of our text in verse 5. That's what it did for Paul. In verse 5, And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, we know what establishes believers in the faith, right? It's in your last reference in Romans 16.25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. So here in Acts 16... Uh, when Paul went forth preaching his gospel, they were established in the faith, in the body of truth that was given to Paul. And all of that, folks, all of that ended up being the first step in Timothy's training. And it is significant that lesson number one in his training was how to be respectful of the convictions of others as you share the grace message. I say that because a lot of grace believers somehow have never learned lesson number one. <laughs> They're not very gracious. They're not very respectful of the convictions of others. They demean the convictions of others as they try to share the grace message. Don't you be one of them. Don't be like the, the grace believer who lives next door to a Seventh-day Adventist who thinks that it is a sin to cut your grass on Saturday. And you as a grace believer go out there and cut your grass on Saturday anyway. And when he objects, you whip out your pocket New Testament that you just happen to have on you. And you show him where the Apostle Paul says, we are not under the law. Well, that's not showing the same spirit that, that Paul showed with Titus, is it? Paul didn't try to crash the gate at the synagogues with Timothy carrying posters saying, we're not under the law. 
He, instead, he graciously yielded to the convictions of others. And you should too. Now, if years down the road, your neighbor finds out that you don't believe we're under the law of the Sabbath, but you observed it all those years out of respect for his convictions, he's not going to think you're a hypocrite. He's going to think you're gracious and respectful. And that'll win him over to the grace message faster than being a stubborn, pig-headed, ungracious grace believer, don't you think? Let's pray that we can always be on the right side when it comes to that issue. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Paul and his wisdom in all that he did. We know it was a God-given wisdom. We thank you for his courage. And now we thank you for this young man, Timothy, who followed in the apostles' footsteps. And for the ones he trained, and the ones they trained, and Lord, probably everybody here is the recipient of somebody who taught him the message, somebody who led him to the Lord, somebody who shared the truth with him. May we be that kind of person in the lives of others, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.